So last week, we talked about behold, we hope. If you were here last Sunday, we talked about behold, we hope. Today, we're going to talk about behold, we wait. Now, ironically, the word hope and the word wait in the original Greek language, in fact, you see this in a lot of our language. If you, if you know Spanish, you'll know that the word hope and the word wait, it's the same word. You know, in the English language, we, we separated the two ideas, but they're very interconnected. We said last week that hope is the faith or the belief that the future holds good things, whether it's in this life, but ultimately in eternity. We believe that the best is yet to come. In our Christian life, that's what we believe. We believe that the best is yet to come. And, and so that's what hope is. And the idea of waiting, you know, when it comes to, you know, hope, we, we think about good things in the future, there's a waiting period. We have to wait for that. And, and so we see these two words are connected, hope and wait. And the problem is we love to hope but we don't love to wait. No one likes to wait. I, I, I don't like waiting. And I, I, I try to avoid, you know, shopping as much as possible. You know, and, uh, but when I go shopping, I gotta go, and, and especially in this time of the year. You know, Karen, Karen says, God can stop by the grocery store. And this time of the year, you know, it's a slam pack. And I go to the store and, and, and you know, and I, I, I can never find what I'm looking for. Uh, what, what, what should take someone five, ten minutes, and it'll take me a half hour. And I'm wandering around, I have to ask somebody, you know, say, hey, I'm trying to find the bread. And they'll be like, well, the bread's right here. You know, I was oh, you know, just open my eyes, there's bread right there. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of, I'm just really lost in the grocery store. And, and I always get more than what I'm supposed to get. Karen gives me a list of about three, four, or five things to get. I'm coming home with about 25 things to get, and half of it junk food that I shouldn't be getting. And, and, and so and, and sometimes I do that on purpose, maybe just send a message to her. Don't, don't, don't send me to the store again, okay? This is what you're going to get, all right? And so anyway, you get to the store, and, but then you get all your stuff, and then you go to the checkout line, and the checkout lines, you know, uh, I don't know about you lately, but I know for me, every time I go, there's the, the long lines. Even the, 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 the fast line, the, you know, the press truck out, have long lines. And, and, and so when I'm there, you know, and I don't know if you do this, but you know, when I'm checking out the lines, I, I usually like to count. When I'm trying to find a line, I count to how many people are in, in the different lines. You know, and I count, and so I'm trying to find the shortest line. But then, and then I take it to a whole nother level. You know, I began to look what they have in the shopping cart. And I start to gauge, you know, okay, I see that person got a lot of stuff. And, you know, this person, this person, okay, it's not too bad. They got a medium pile of stuff. And then, and then I check out the cashier. I see how fast she's moving, you know, and, you know, if she's with it, you know, if he's, if he's slow. <laughs> I'm kind of checking that out. I'm, 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 I've got all these things going on. You know, do this line have a bagger? You know, do they have someone help bagging the line? And, and, and then you have to make a decision, you know. And so I, I, with all the calculations that I'm trying to make, and I got this crazy math, I'm not sure if it's healthy or not, but I'm doing it. You know, and I'm figuring this out. I, I, I find what I think is the shortest line. 
But then it was where I think it crossed the line of, the crossed the line into unhealthiness. It's when I, you know, find the line, but then I look at the other line, and I see someone that's stepping the line, that's okay, that's me. You know, that's who I would be if I had picked that line. You know, and, I'm, and then I watch. I watch as I stand in this line, and I'm watching the, the bald guy in the lion's coat. And I'm thinking, that's the alternate me. And then it's a race to see if I pick the right line. I mean, am I the only one? Okay, good, I'm not. Y'all making me feel good here. Hey, listen, we don't like to wait. We like to find things as quick as possible. Now, here's where I'm going with this. The dynamic of waiting, 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 is actually the dynamic that sets up the very first Christmas. For many, many generations, there had always been a handful or a remnant of people, of Jewish people, who waited every single day, waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. In fact, that's what the word Advent means, means arrival. And they're waiting for the arrival. And they had hope. And all these hope based on prophecies in the Old Testament. Prophecies like the verse that we read last Sunday, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a, a child is born. For unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In fact, there were prophecies that dated you know, further back. There were over 300 prophecies prophesying, predicting that there would be a savior, a messiah that would come. And it was so exciting. People were like, okay, this is going to happen. And, 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 and so every generation since the prophecies of the messiah, there was a group of people that lived their lives every day waiting, hoping they, they live a life obeying God's command, knowing that this could be the day that the Messiah arrived. Uh, and this went on for generations after generations after generation. Nothing happened. 99.999% of, of, of those who waited and waited and waited for the coming Messiah, they died. And, and, and there was no fulfillment of, their, of the promise in their lifetime. However, they still prayed. They, they, still, they still waited. They still remained faithful. And that day turns into weeks and weeks into, into months and months into years and years and years of no Messiah. Hundreds of years. And unfortunately, many, many Jewish people kind of went on to other things. Many of them abandoned their faith. It got to a place where some of them said this was a myth, a fairy tale, so to speak. But there was always a group that, that got up every day. And they, they lived they live if this could be the day that the Messiah showed up. For thousands of years, the Jewish people had been in what I called the waiting room. The waiting room. They waited, and they waited for the baby, the Messiah, to show up. 
You know, one of the hardest places to be in life is in the waiting room. You know, it's not knowing what the doctor will say. The waiting room. Not knowing if the tumor is malignant or benign, or, if, or if, whether it's even cancer or not. It's the waiting room. You know, not knowing if the operation is successful. The waiting room. Not knowing whether or not you will get that job. Not knowing whether you will ever meet someone that you can spend the rest of your life with. The waiting room. And so today's message is for all of us who goes through times in the waiting room. When we need God to come through. When we need God to show up. And sometimes when we're in the waiting room, right? I mean, come on. Sometimes when we're in that waiting room and nothing's happening, and it seems like that God is ignorant and he doesn't know what we need. Or maybe you say, man, God, God is indifferent. He doesn't care what we need. Or maybe sometimes you're in the waiting room, you're just wondering if God is, maybe God is, you know, is not powerful. And he can't do what we need for him to do. We have all these thoughts about what's going on and we're stuck in the waiting room or wondering, God, are you there? Are you listening? Are you, are, are you seeing this? And so today I want to look in the Gospel of Luke and we see the kind of a prequel to the Christmas story. But it's a very important part to the whole thing. We see a story of a husband and wife who is in the waiting room. And yet they're proof that God always shows up on time, that God always keeps his promises, that God knows exactly what he's doing, even in the waiting. And so if you find yourself today in the waiting room, or if you find yourself one day in the waiting room, here's what I hope you remember if you're taking notes. If you're waiting, just wait. God is never late. Just wait. We served, we worship an on-time God, even though we feel like he's late. But he's never late. So I got two thoughts today as we kind of build off this idea of waiting. Number one, we got to keep waiting. God is moving. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. God is on the move. I want to look here in our story today in Luke chapter 1. We're going to spend most of our time in this chapter today. Chapter 1, verse number 5. In the time of King Herod, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So I want to stop here and just say that Herod was a Roman king installed by Caesar, and all of Israel was under the dominating rule of the Roman Empire. This was a very, very dark time, a depressing time for the Jewish people. What's even worse is that for 400 years, God had gone silent. The period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years. For 400 years, not a single prophet spoke a word from God. Not, not a single miracle was seen by the hand of God. 
the glory days of David and Solomon, which was about a thousand years previous, were a distant memory, the golden age. The nation of Israel since then had changed hands a whopping 25 different times. They had become the whipping boy of the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Roman Empire. And many Jews had given up on God. They had felt that God had either forgotten his promise or that God had forsaken them and left them behind. And we're introduced in verse number five to a precious couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we see what we see some very high words of praise about them in verse number six. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and his decrees blamelessly. They were blameless people. They were good people. They were godly people. They, they were what we would like to call salt of the earth kind of a people. Unlike many of their friends and neighbors, they still believed God for the promise of the Messiah. They both held out hope that God wasn't finished, at least with the people of Israel. But there's another part of the story, the subplot to the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we see the subplot in verse number seven. The Bible said they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. There was one blemish on the record of their life. They were not able to have children. You have to understand that during this time period, if a, if a woman didn't have a child, she was considered cursed by God. Many would believe that she was barren because of something that she had done wrong. And here's Elizabeth, not able to have a child, but most likely frowned upon her and her culture. Even though Zechariah and Elizabeth were filled with holiness, they were blameless, their soul was filled with goodness. They were devoted. They were, but at the same time, I can only imagine that they were discouraged. I'm sure that there would have been times where they doubted what God was doing in their lives. We, we read on that Zechariah was faithfully fulfilling his job as a priest. He had a job twice a year to go to the temple and to burn incense. And while he's there at this particular time, while he's in the temple serving the Lord, this happened in verse 11. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, I don't want you to miss how important this is. Remember, heaven had gone silent for 400 plus years. Not a word from God, not a work from God, not a, not a witness from God for 400 years. More and more and more people were saying, God dead, the dream has died, God promised, God promises are empty. But to the least likely of people, in the least likely of places, in the least likely of time, this angel shows up. He shows up to make an announcement, thereby setting up a chain reaction that would change 
the entire world forever. Now here's what I don't want you to miss today. The last thing that anybody expected to happen, especially Zechariah, was for an angel of God to show up. And not just speak, but to tell him that Zechariah and Elizabeth were going to have a child. Something that in their mind at this point in their age, in their life, something that was impossible from a human standpoint. But God's not bound by physical principles or human perspective, what God all thinks are possible. And even though Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting for a child, just like Israel had been waiting for a Messiah, they're all about to learn that even though we're in the waiting room, God is always moving. He's always at work. God is never idle. God never takes a break. God never goes on vacation. He's always moving in your life, even when you don't know it, even when you don't feel it. I've said it before, just because God seems silent, it doesn't mean that he's absent. And so we got to keep waiting. I understand in the waiting room, God is always on the move. But here's a second thought. If you're taking notes, we got to keep working. God is listening. God is listening. Elizabeth and Zechariah have been praying for a long time to have a child. We're told that they're well advanced in years. I mean, they're very old. And, and some scholars believe that Elizabeth and Zechariah were somewhere in their 90s which is very unusual during this time period. The life expectancy of someone in this culture were 40, 50 years old. And, and, and so Elizabeth and Zechariah are way up in age. You know, and if they were married in their mid-20s or in their early teens, at most, you know, like maybe 15, 16, 17, that most couples would have done in this culture in this time period, then they, they would have been married 60, 60 to 70 years praying for a child for many, 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 many years. Zechariah uh, could have done what a lot of ministers have done. He, he could have quit. He could have said, well, well why am I serving God? I, I have been faithful. I have been blameless. I have been doing everything that he's asked me to do, and, and yet God is not answering my prayers. You know, what, 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 good is, what good is living for him anyway? I mean, I'm, I'm sure Zechariah probably had those moments. And it wouldn't have been unusual. In fact, today's statistics, on average, over 1,700 pastors leave the ministry worldwide for whatever reason. You know, for whatever reason, they quit and they go do something else. And so I give credit to, to Zechariah even though it appeared that God just said no to him many times over and over and over again for a child, Zechariah still worked. He still did his part and never gave up. He still prayed. And the angel said this in verse 13. He said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. The angel said, hey, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. 
I mean, remember how long they've been praying for? They've been praying for a long, long time. 60, 70 years. Now this angel telling Zechariah, hey, listen, every word has been heard. Everything you prayed about, God has heard it. Now, have you ever prayed? Let's be honest. Have you ever prayed and just feel like your prayer can't get above the ceiling? You know what I'm talking about? You know, you feel like your prayer is sometimes like a, like a super bouncy ball. And just like my, I feel like my prayer is just bouncing all over the place. And I feel like it's going nowhere. I feel like I'm, you know, when I'm praying, I feel like I'm just talking to a wall. Never forget, God listening. Even when you feel like your prayers aren't going far, God hears your prayers. We see in verse 13, he said again, don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. So your wife will bear a son, and you're going to call him John. And oh, he's going to be a joy. He could be a delight to you guys. And many are going to rejoice because of his birth. His birth is going to have impact. He said, for he will be great in the sight of God. He is never going to take wine or other fermented drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. I wonder if that made, uh, you know, the, the birth delivery much easier. I don't know. But, you know, he said the Holy Spirit is going to be in him before he's born. That's powerful. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of one of the Old Testament greatest prophet, Elijah. He's going to have his spirit, his power, and he's going to turn the hearts of the parent to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, God didn't just answer their prayers. God didn't just give them what they've been asking for. In fact, he gave them something even better than what they asked for. He said, this son could be filled with the power of, of God. And all the years of sadness will be replaced with gladness, knowing that their baby is going to be special and going to be used to turn the heart back to God to prepare the way of the Messiah. You see, you may give up on God, but my friend, God will never give up on you. You may feel like, man, I, I feel like quitting. God never quits on you. But Israel, listen, they've turned their back on God because they thought God had given up on them. God not only never turned his back on us, he's working. He's listening to bring us back to him in those times when we may even doubt him or disobey him or disbelieve him. I notice how Zechariah responds here in verse 18. He asked the angel, now how, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. Now, I mean, think about this. Here's an angel of the Lord who shows up. Who, he hadn't showed up to, you know, he hadn't showed up to anybody over 400 years. And he's telling him that he's going to have a baby. And Zechariah, who's 80, 90 years old, said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Now, listen, before I get to the response here, I, I want husbands to take a note. Now, Zechariah may be a righteous man, 
But it wasn't very smart in this moment. He said, I'm old. He said, but my wife, well, <laughs> she's really, really old, you know. I'm, just, I'm so glad Elizabeth wasn't around because she would have been uh, in the doghouse, you know, <laughs> you know, for a while. But she wasn't. So notice the angel's response to Zechariah's disbelief. Verse number 19. Angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent. You'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So the angel, she calls a technical, threw the flag on the play on Zechariah, put him in timeout, shut his mouth until the little child, until John will be born. But I don't want you to miss the most important part in this whole story, the most important phrase, which will come true at their appointed time. Their appointed time. You're saying, God, this is God, you're saying that God had this day mark on his calendar? Yeah. He had this day mark. He had this part of his difference, his entire plan since the creation before the creation of the world. The appointed time. And you're saying, God, through all the 700 years since the glory days of David and Solomon, God had waited this long on purpose? Yeah. You mean God has watched his people abandon him in, in droves? Because it looked like there was no way in the world the nation of Israel would ever bless the world again, that there was no platform, that we have become uh, a people that's been conquered and conquered and conquered over and over and over again by every time a new conqueror shows up on the scene. God has been planning this. We have, there's been an appointed time. You mean God, God has not quit paying attention to us? You mean God had not only heard my prayers, but the prayers of people for generation upon generation upon generation? That's exactly what God is saying. For all come true at the appointed time. Just again, just because God seems silent, that does not mean that he's absent. He had this day mark on his calendar long before Zechariah and Elizabeth showed up. He had been listening to every prayer. He's heard every word. He's been moving in the events of the world, in the hearts of the rulers in power, to bring about Zechariah and Elizabeth to this place, to this specific point in time. God, you may be in a waiting room, but there's an appointed time. God has a plan. Wherever you're going through, He has a plan. And it all come out just the way he plans it to. We look here in verse 21. This is all happening while Zechariah is in, the, in the, the Holy of Holies. There's a bunch of people out there in the, in the temple. And they're wondering what's going on. Look here, verse 21. The people were waiting. Wonder why he stayed so long in the temple. And then when he came out, he could not speak to them. And, and, and so, you know, he had to do some sign language. Make, he had to make up some sign language. You know, a lot of people ask me if I know sign language. I'm 80% deaf. I don't know any sign language. 
You know, I know, I, I just make them up. You know, and then they figure it out, okay? It's just Zechariah, okay? You, you gotta make them, you gotta making things up here. Uh, you, you, they realize he had seen a vision, the Bible said. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but, remind, but remained unable to speak. Uh, uh, so, verse 23, when the time of service was completed, he finished the job, even when he couldn't speak. He did what he was supposed to do, and he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord had done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor. He's taken away my disgrace. Remember, you know, being barren? You know, it was almost like being, you know, people thought you were cursed. People frowned upon him. He said, hey, my disgrace has been taken away among the people. So I want you to learn this. I hope you never forget this. God does not always do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. But when he does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, it is what we should have wanted all along. God's plan is much bigger than our plans. Sometimes the prayer is that you're praying it's a small prayer. And God said, I keep praying because I got something bigger. But it's in my time, the appointed time. Just wait. You know the name Zechariah? You know what it means? It means God remembers. God remembers every promise he ever makes. And God keeps every promise that he's ever made. And that Christmas day, 2,000 years ago, finally came when God would put into action what he had planned to do since he made that promise to Abraham that every nation on the earth will be blessed because a Savior, Jesus Christ, would be born at his appointed time. Now, I want to bring this home to us here as we kind of wrap up. You know, as I think about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, I can't help to think that this is our story too. I can connect to the story. I can relate to the story. Zechariah and Elizabeth's dilemma, it's your dilemma. In the waiting room. And sometimes in the waiting room, we ask the question, do we believe or do we stop believing? Do we serve or do we stop serving and do something else? Do I stay or do I go? Do, do we give or do we spend it in a different way? Do we stay in that difficult marriage or just do what everybody else does and walk out? Do we do the shady deal or do we continue to maintain our integrity and do the right thing? Do we remain faithful because we believe God is faithful or do we just throw it all up? No, do we just give up and just say, God, I'm done? Their dilemma is our dilemma. In every generation, there's a remnant of Christians that decide whether or not they're going to remain faithful in spite of the fact that they see God do nothing for them while they're in the waiting room. And if that's you this morning, if that's where you're at, it's just, God, I feel like I'm in the waiting room. I feel like God has been silent. I feel like I don't know what's going on. I feel lost. 
I feel like I'm in this, you know, in the valley of life. If that's where you're at, if that's your situation, know this. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. If that's your situation, welcome to the common experience of those who place their faith in Christ and have decided to follow him, to go after him in spite of what they see around them. Welcome to the world of Zechariah and Elizabeth, a couple that decided we're going to walk blamelessly before our God in spite of what we see, in spite of, of, of what people say about God, in spite of the fact that we can't even imagine how God would even give us a child at our age. We can't even imagine how God would use the nation of Israel anymore to bless the world around us. But they stay faithful. And that's the dilemma that all of us will face or you're facing right now. And if that's true, that's good. That's normal. That's normal. And the challenge is, will you stay faithful? In the waiting, will you stay faithful? Will you be faithful even when it doesn't make sense? Will you keep waiting Waiting on God, even when it seems like he's silent. Will you hold on to hope that the future holds good things? Will you hang on to it, even though it seems like it's hopeless? Christmas, the Christmas season, it's exhibit A, that when you are in the waiting room, no matter how long the wait is, never give up. God always comes through in his appointed time. Behold, we hope. Behold, we wait. God, our faithful, loving God, is never late. I pray that this Christmas season, Advent, which means arrival, we know that he come. We know he's coming again. And so we're waiting people, waiting for him to come back and to restore what was broken back to the place of perfection. And that happened one day. We're waiting people. We keep our eyes ahead on the blessed hope. In his appointed time, he comes through. Whatever your situation is right now, you say, I'm in the waiting room. Don't quit. Keep waiting. God never late. God, we love you. We ask you to help us today. Help us to not quit. Help us to not give up. The Christmas season was all about waiting. It's all about waiting. And God, you always come through. And God, for some of us here, you might feel like she's silent. That he's not speaking. God, maybe there's some of us here, we're feeling that today. We feel hopeless. 
to fear loss. But God, I pray that you help him, help her, help that family to hang on to hope and to know that even though you're silent, it does not mean that you are absent. And you are working behind the scene. Whether we know it, whether we feel it, God help us to know that you are never late. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a song of reflection to remind us of the one that we are waiting on. from their tombs 
And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who'd come To the Father our restored And the church of Christ was born And the Spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel and shall not faint And by His blood and in His name In His freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me Praise the Father Praise the Son He is worthy to be trusted, church. He's worthy.